Jesus refers to dishonest wealth in the gospel today, I think the question is, well, what makes it dishonest? And actually, I think in terms of a better translation, it's actually, uh, we get a, a better one in the last line of this gospel. It's um, the same word mammon is used in both places. So it, it's wealth. But it's not just uh, sort of simple wealth. It's often used as a kind of personification of wealth. And so when Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon, it's, it's taking mammon as a sort of entity there. And when we talk about serving dishonest wealth, what, is, what does that mean? It means what do we set our hearts on? And why is wealth, money, that kind of wealth, why is that dishonest? Why is it false wealth? You know, if you go to McDonald's and you give them $5, they give you a Big Mac. You give them five Hail Marys, and they don't give you anything. I've tried. It's terrible. Uh, so, it, but in, in reality, what Jesus is talking about, in, when we look at, at the reality of things, the, what we think of as real wealth actually doesn't, it doesn't last. You know, it fails, and it doesn't satisfy, nor do, nor do the things that it buys. And that's why it's a false wealth, because ultimately it doesn't work. Even if it seems to work right now at McDonald's, it doesn't work in the long run for the things that our hearts most desire. And that's why... Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. So what does the, the love of money look like? What does it do? Well, for myself, one of the most obvious examples I think of is me between the ages of 6 and 18. And I, I really loved money. And, and one of the things that I think um, really fostered this, and I... I sort of call it financial pornography. Um, really, uh, my mother had these two magazines, Unique Homes magazines, which are these very thick magazines. It's still in business. You can still look it up online. And it's filled with the most beautiful, expensive, luxurious houses for sale in the world. And as a kid, I loved rifling through these things. And I was like, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. Ooh, look at that island. I'll take two of those. And and it's just, it, it, and, and this desire for wealth just grew in my heart from a, a very young age. It was a great, I think, example of original sin, you know, that I, I had this desire for money that I just didn't need, like this huge amount beyond what was good. And it came back to bite me later in life in, in terms of trying to discern my vocation, because letting go of those desires was, was very painful. I was like, you know... Vow of poverty and private island don't go together. <laughs> and so if I'm going to have one, I've got to give up the other. And it sounds ridiculous, but it was actually, it was actually a painful choice. It, in all honesty, it was very hard for me. Um, I did it by the grace of God, but it wasn't easy. So I think a, a first sort of example of what does it mean to love money is just this, a, a simple craving for rich, riches and luxury. But the love of money, I think also has other sort of inroads into the heart. Another one is money as a way to receive love and attention. So I'm sure you've all seen those motivational posters that they have in places. You know, it's a pretty picture, and then you got the big word, like the theme, like trust or happiness or whatever, and then there's a quote underneath it. 
Well, there's this website called despair.com, which has these demotivational posters, which I love. And, <laughs> and uh, despair.com has a poster for, um, uh, for money. And the picture, it's, it's the front part of this humongous yacht. And on the beginning and, and the, the bow of this uh, yacht, there's this uh, very uh, beautiful woman, you know, uh, with a dress sort of blowing in the breeze. And uh, it says, money. Money can't buy you love. But it can buy exotic cars and luxury yachts. Once you've got those covered, you'll be fighting off love with a stick. And so I think that's another, another sort of example. You know, money attracts attention. It attracts the desire of others. It attracts fame. It attracts praise. And these are all things that we want. So sometimes the love of money is not about the money. It's about the love that we ultimately want to receive. A third sort of aspect of the love of money, which is one that you probably don't hear about very much, is money as a route to immortality. And I don't just mean like having enough money to cryogenically freeze your body when you're dead, although that's an example of it. But actually, I read this book on, on the psychology of money. And it was really interesting because the author said that there were some studies that were done which showed that people, in terms of the, the, the effect that money had on them, it made them feel immortal. And so it was a way of coping with the reality of death. And that made a lot of sense. And I thought of someone who I know, or at least uh, know of, um, fairly well. And he has over $100 million. He's an exorbitantly wealthy individual. And was engaged in this uh, scheme uh, to defraud this person that I know of uh, a fairly sizable chunk of money, nothing like $100 million, but a sizable chunk of money for work that he had done. But it's something that he would barely have noticed. I mean, it, it just would have been, you know, movement of one digit in his, in his bank account. It wouldn't add a zero or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't. And yet, he engaged in the, in the scheme to steal this money. He had $100 million. And he had $100 million, but he's also old. And, you know, I think thoughts of death must be creeping up on him. And he was also someone without a lot of love. I mean, he, as far as I've been told, he has no friends. Um, tried to apply to a, a very nice, uh, ritzy country club. Uh, no one would sponsor him. Not one person. Has no children. Um, so it's a, it's a very, very lonely, very lonely existence. And what you see, no matter sort of what, uh, what sort of avenue the love of money you know, takes root in, in the heart, in all of these cases, it can be so great that it actually leads us to immoral activity. Um, and that's something that Amos uh, talks uh, a lot about in our first reading uh, today, and he points out a couple different things. Um, so one is the obsession, simply the obsession with money. And it's the people, you know, one of the examples here is, when will the new moon be over that we may sell our grain and the Sabbath that we may display our wheat? So you have a 
technical following of the law, you know, to keep holy the Sabbath day, don't engage in, in commerce and activity. So they're technically following it, but all they can do is they're just counting down the hours to when the store opens up again and they make more money. And it gets worse, you know, so they're actually change, uh, uh, diminish the ephah, add to the shekel, and fix our scales for cheating. So there's actual fraud involved in that too. And then finally, the worst of all is buying and selling people, you know, to buy a poor man for a pair of sandals. And the last one he points out here, even the refuse of the wheat we will sell, which seems like an odd uh, odd thing to say, but it's actually a reference to the, the Old Testament law, which is that once you went through uh, a field um, and you harvested the grain that you could, you weren't supposed to go back over the field and pick up all the, the little heads of wheat that had fallen. Those were supposed to be left for the poor so that they could go through the field and they could, um, they could have something to eat. So it's this total consuming greed that Amos is talking about. But how are we to understand the gospel in relation to greed? Because it's a very weird gospel. It seems like Jesus is commending the example of this steward who not only has been cheating his master and going to get fired, but now prepares for his retirement by cheating him some more and sort of uh, negotiating his debts down so that all the people who he gives the money to uh, will welcome into his home. So what is that, what is he referring to? And essentially what, what Jesus is talking about is to use this false wealth that we have to make friends in heaven. And how does that, how does that work? Why, you know, why is he suggesting that? What does that look like? And I think the um, couple of aspects to it. So one, one is just simply giving things away that we value. You know, not just money, but time as well, because that's something that we have that is very valuable and also very limited. We give it away. And that's why one of the classic works of penance is giving alms, giving alms to support the poor. And that's something that is pleasing to God, because in giving up money or giving up time, what are you doing? You're giving up what you would rather be doing with those things. So that's why it's an act of, act of generosity. That, that's why it makes reparation to God. Because it doesn't just give away stuff. It gives away a piece of our heart. And it goes to something else Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the last judgment and you know who will be, who will be judged um, well and ill, who are the lambs, who are the goats, and the separation that goes on. And he talks about helping the poor, and he says, whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did to me. And so in helping people with what we've been given, it's actually something that we can do for Jesus so that he himself will welcome us into eternal dwelling places. But it's not just about Jesus, it's about other people as well. There was a, an old Western I saw growing up, my father loved Westerns, and, and I don't remember which one it was, but there was a scene in a Western movie, this man had, he had run for, um, I think it was Davy Crockett, he had run for elective office, and he had won, but he met this couple, and um, the, the, the man says, uh, oh yeah, congratulations on, on your uh, victory, uh, Mr. Representative, and his wife chimes in so helpfully, he voted for the other guy, because uh, he paid him, 
And the man says, that's not true. I voted for him because I liked him. And Davy Crockett says, well, why'd you like him? Well, naturally, when a man gives you money, you like him. <laughs> and in, in the spiritual sense, the idea is that in helping the poor, it's their gratitude and their prayers that will help us achieve eternal life. An idea that one of my Dominican brothers had that he told me about, and I've, I've done this for a while, is to carry around. So when people ask for money, you know, I don't like to give out cash, but I have those little $5 gift cards from Subway, and I give that, give that to people as well. And whenever I do, I always say, pray for me, my name is Nick. Or if I have a special intention, pray for so-and-so. And for me, that's the way that I, in, in, in some small manner, I try to follow Jesus' command to use the wealth that I've been given to gain, eternal, to gain eternal rewards. So it's not just Christ who welcomes us into heaven. If we use our lives right, it's all the people that we have done good for. And so it's not just one person or three persons in the Trinity who are happy to see us, but it's, it's all those whom we have blessed with our resources and our presence. So thinking about your lives, it's important to remember, and, and I've heard this before, that a budget is a moral document. How you budget your money is, is a moral statement about what's important. And I think the same thing is true of your schedule. The amount of time that you budget for prayer, for helping others, for sports teams, for study, for family, for friends, for sin, all of these things are a reflection of of our lives and who we are. So I want to leave you with a question to, to meditate on for a minute. So close, close your eyes. Um, and I think the, the obvious question would be, well, what, what is it that God is asking you to be generous with towards others? But I would rather leave you with another question. How is it that you have been enriched by Jesus Christ? How have you been enriched by Jesus Christ?